So here I am joining you via pre-recorded message. Uh, thanks for your flexibility. We just had to do a little bit of adjustment uh, to the preaching roster. Um, but really glad to be sharing on what I think is a really critical piece of uh, the 1 Peter letter. Um, one that has probably been used well, but also used quite poorly in church history. Uh, and yet at the same time, when we revisit um, a text and we discover some context, we can see things that perhaps we never I saw before. Um, so I'm going to start off by looking at this text and let's just work our way through it. So if you've got your Bibles, feel free to turn with me uh, to 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, verses 1 to 7 is where we're focusing on today. And I know we've done things a little bit out of order, uh, but this is a continuation from where Philip uh, spoke um, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so let's get into it. Uh, it says, Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, I want to talk about this uh, from a number of different angles. We're going to look a little bit of context, and then we're going to look at some of the instructions that uh, Peter specifically gives the wives uh, in uh, those those places that we mentioned in the first uh, sermon. The, these places in that kind of that far northeast province of um, Asia Minor, where people were scattered, foreigners, uh, where they were under some form of, of persecution and oppression, um, and that was going to shape the way that they went about um, being God's people within that place. Um, and then we're going to talk about beauty, and I can't help but think of the One Direction song, You Don't Know You're Beautiful, as it kind of kind of unpacks this, this sense of, well, you know what, sometimes the things that we assume make people beautiful are the things that actually aren't um, and may not be the thing that really draws someone in. And that sense of drawing people in, particularly to what God is doing and his word and his truth, is a big part of this passage too. But first I want to talk a bit about context because this particular passage has a lot of hermeneutical danger. Um, now, that word hermeneutics simply means the way that we interpret. Um, and we're all going to bring a certain hermeneutic or, or set of lenses by which we interpret the Bible. But the, re the risk is, is that if we lift these words without understanding the context, and maybe we take some of these words and we only utilize our Western definitions of some of these terms, the risk is we could end up with a movement of poorly dressed, jewelry-free, silent and disempowered wives. And that's not what Peter is getting onto here. So I just want to quickly have a look at some of these things that can so easily be missed in the text. Now, the first thing to understand is what were the wives experiencing? Now, as we read through uh, the passage, there would have been a few things that you may be familiar with, but there was one thing in particular that you may have noted kind of stood out a bit like a sore thumb. It's like, where were you going with this? Now, in verse 6, 
uh, it continues on that says that wives submit themselves to their own husbands like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her, him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Now, that's a really strange addition. Do not give way to fear. I mean, up to this point in the letter, we haven't really been talking about fear at all. Like, where did fear enter the story? Well, actually, this kind of speaks uh, quite distinctly to what wives, perhaps of the day, particularly if they did not have believing husbands, would have been experiencing. Um, it indicates the kind of pressure that would have been on the wives, that there was potentially a genuine sense of fear in their state of living. Um, this continues on in verse 7 when it talks about husbands. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs. And we'll talk a bit about that later as well. But that, that phrase, weaker partner, oh, the amount of times I've, I've heard that phrase so abused and misused. When it's talking about the weaker partner, um, there is an element of just the, the physical nature of it, that, that women and wives are often uh, less physically strong than the men. And, and that was a threat to them. That made them vulnerable. And so the two kind of clues that we pick up just from these words right there actually paint this picture of the situation that wives found themselves in when this letter was penned to them. There was this recognition that women were vulnerable as, as, they, as they were, wives were even vulnerable. And not only that, that many of them would be experiencing or potentially experiencing some level of fear. Okay, so we need to take this into consideration as we consider these instructions that Peter gives to wives. Now, when we apply this to a 21st century context, some of those factors may still be in play, but some may be less so. And this does change the way that this passage is applied. Now, the second thing that I want to talk about is I want us to note a couple of words that, again, keep repeating through a refrain that is so easy to miss. In verse 1, it says, Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves. And then in verse 7, husbands, in the same way, be considerate, so on and so forth. Now, whenever we see this in the same way, we have to ask the question, well, what is being referred to? Uh, are we referring to that husbands, in the same way that wives submit, you must be considerate? Are we saying in the same way that Christ demonstrated his, demonstrated his sacrifice, that, that we need to imitate that? Like, in the same way, always pushes upward in the letter, but you don't always know explicitly what is being referred to. This is really, really important because just prior to this, um, we've not just spoken uh, to, to wives and their husbands, but prior to that, we've spoken to slaves. In uh, chapter 2, verse 18, it says, Slaves, in reverent fear of God... Submit yourselves. And you can see that kind of uh, consistent pattern there. Again, slaves, submit yourselves. Wives, submit yourselves. Husbands, be considerate. And these words that kind of sit there in the middle. So there is this kind of pattern you can see in the letter. But again, it pushes up. All that we read within this passage and its context reflects what has occurred just prior. And it's all to do with respect and honour to God. And back in chapter 2, and we've got to kind of go back there to understand this, I want to kind of pull apart exactly what the same way is referring to. Because again, it's going to make a lot more sense when suddenly we take the context and we apply it to, in this case, wives and husbands. 
rather than just lifting these words out and assuming that we have to apply it directly to our context today. It says in chapter 2, verse 12, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So there's this glorify God piece. Do these things in order to glorify God. Verse 13, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Again, verse 16, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. So live under God's authority. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Again, in the same way, it could be referring to imitating Christ. For verse 23, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Okay, Him who judges justly. And so when we're looking at instructions to wives and when we're looking at instructions to husbands and even when we looked at instructions to slaves prior to that, it's all referencing up to this, which is the same way as foreigners We submit to many temporary authorities, but we entrust ourselves to the ultimate authority, which, of course, is God. So, so again, as foreigners, uh, to whatever extent that that is is meaningful for you... um, in, in today's context, in your, in your workplace, in, in, your, in your networks, uh, we've talked about what it feels like to be a foreigner and to be distinct and different and maybe misunderstood. Um, and for these people, they were foreigners in their context as well. And they were under some oppression and they weren't being accepted. We submit to many temporary authorities. We do that. But we entrust ourselves to the ultimate authority. And this is the thing that we need to keep in mind as we work through the instructions that Peter gives within this passage. And so with that in mind, let's return back to our specific instructions. Uh, Verse 1, wives in the same way, right, which is what we just spoke about, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. So again, in the same way, right? So so again, Peter's saying to the wives, look, you might be in a state of fear, you might be um, in a place of vulnerability, but just as Christ did and to honour God, submit yourselves. Don't dominate, don't seek to overthrow the powers, right? Actually, God is going to be honoured in a different kind of way. And even more than God being honoured, this is going to actually shape your missional approach to life. And, and this is why the instructions exist, okay? It's saying that, wives, if you're in a situation where your husbands do not believe the word, through your actions, through your submission, and through the, your behavior, you may actually win them over. So this passage is not about control or about decision-making or about family dynamics, which I've heard it used before, Okay. The heart behind this instruction is missional. Again, from earlier in the book, they are a royal priesthood, right? They are all a royal priesthood. The commission to represent God is still there. And so he he instructs the wives to use their area of influence to win their husbands to belief in the word, okay? And so this is, this is just 
pure missional initiative. It's not like shy away when you're in trouble. It's saying actually you are positioned for a purpose. And, and whether you're a wife or a husband or you're not married, like we can all learn from this. Peter's saying use your area of influence to win people to belief in the word. So yes, it was directed at wives, but it is not exclusive to wives. So the thing that Peter points out here is that the specific behaviours that are going to win over these husbands are going to be purity and reverence. Now, now we don't probably know enough about the context as to why they were going to be so distinctive, but certainly Peter points these out because this was going to look different from the rest of the world at the time. Uh, We could also probably uh, draw from this text that words may not be effective, which is why there was such this emphasis on behaviour. So it could be that people within certain positions and status within the society at the time were able to utilise their words. That may even been something that men were able to do. But wives, for whatever reason, were going to be uh, not empowered or not even effective, you might say, through their words, but rather through their behaviour, and specifically purity and reverence. And this moves us on to our second thing. So the first thing is, Peter's like, hey, you are not out of the mission, Gabe. You have the ability to win over your husbands through your behaviour. The thing he then changes over to is this question of beauty. Now, he says in verse uh, 3 and 4, your beauty should not come from outward adornment such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewellery or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Now, our society and many others elevates values or even demands beauty from women, right? This doesn't make it right. It makes it relevant and that is what Peter was tapping into. This context was no exception. Beauty was valued which made it relevant to this missional initiative. Okay, And so it's really important to understand when you look at a passage like this, uh, again this passage again pulled out of context could be used to justify, oh, I don't know, wives not wearing fine clothes or or not doing their hair or or choosing not to wear jewellery, and that has been applied in in some expressions of church. But that is not what Peter was going on about. He was saying that actually beauty is something to be leveraged, it is something that is relevant, but done in a healthy way and in an understanding that actually inner beauty is the thing that is most compelling and most um, fading. True beauty is on the inside. And so he focuses on saying, hey, wives, beauty's okay. It's absolutely okay to pursue beauty. But just be sure to know where unfading beauty comes from. So it doesn't mean you can't wear jewellery. It doesn't mean you can't do your hair nicely. Like this is not what Peter was on about. He was actually just shifting the perspective and saying, hey, if this is something that is on your radar, I just want to refine your understanding around what it looks like to give expression to this in a way that will ultimately win your husbands to the word, to, to Christ. Okay. 
And then he goes into this case study around Sarah. He says in verse 5, For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. It's like they used to adorn themselves with this inner beauty. They submitted themselves to their own husbands like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters, and that, all that means is, is you imitate her example, if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Now, and this is just a perfect case study from Peter, because Sarah is the perfect example. And if anyone had an excuse to use the external, right, the external beauty, it was Sarah. And you might be like, Gavin, what are you harping on about Sarah for? Well, the first century rabbis praise Sarah's beauty. That's Sarah, Abram's Sarah. They praise her beauty. And they include her among the four most beautiful women in the world. And to portray Sarah's beauty, the rabbis say that in comparison to her, all other people are as a monkey to humans, right? So this is like Sarah was known to be this incredible example of beauty. Um, twice in Genesis chapter 12 and in 20 as well, um, Abram and then later Abraham is absolutely convinced that her beauty will get him killed, right? So this is how beautiful Sarah is depicted. Um, there's this a classic um, story. This is this is extra biblical. It's in Midrash, which is um, kind of uh, extra, extra kind of content that the rabbis kind of build around many of the biblical stories. Um, there's this story where they say that Abraham tried to conceal her from the Egyptians by putting her in a chest that he locked, right, because he was worried that her beauty was going to get him killed. Um, and when he came to the tax collectors, they ordered him pay the tax, and he said, "I will pay." And they asked him, "Do you have any vessels in the chest?" And he replied, I will pay the tax on the vessels. And they asked him, are you bringing in silk garments? And he replied, I will pay tax on the silk garments. And they asked him, are you bringing in pearls? And he said, I will pay tax on the pearls. And they told him, we cannot let you go on your way until you open the chest and we see what it contains. And then you'll love this. When they opened it, all the land of Egypt was resplendent with her beauty. All the land of Egypt was resplendent with her beauty. So this is like the depiction that we get of Sarah and Abraham. It's just like they open the chest and, oh, like just incredible beauty. And that is why Peter actually directs the wives to the example of Sarah. Again, she had every excuse to utilize her external beauty. But instead, what she cultivated was that inner beauty. And that's what Peter wants to highlight. He specifically um, points out a couple of characteristics. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Now again, these words, particularly with our Western vocabulary, sound very, almost potentially quite oppressive and very weak. Um, That word gentle or gentleness, we need to be reminded that gentleness is power under control. Okay, that's what gentleness is. And that word praeus in the Greek is only used three other times in the New Testament. Okay? So this word gentle, it's only used three other times. Twice with reference to Jesus. And once by Jesus in the Beatitudes, where he says, Blessed are the meek, praeus, for they will inherit the earth. Inherit the earth. That word inherit is going to come back in the next verse. Okay? Now, this was a real challenge, and this is a real challenge, particularly with these words. 
gentle and quiet spirit is a massive challenge for those who might try to utilize this text to consolidate power over wives, all right? Because that's not what these words seek to communicate. So I want to give one final thought here. Look, we've talked about, just to give us a a kind of a trajectory, we've talked about the fact that women or wives at the time were vulnerable and they had every reason to fear, okay? So we understand that. We understand that the context is suggesting that all these instructions are actually in reflection, that we submit to temporary authorities, but ultimately we entrust ourselves to the ultimate authority, that is God. We see that these instructions to wives are are because they still have a calling to be missional and that the way that we're going to win over their husbands was through their behaviour. That was Peter's priority in communicating it to them. And then we see this important truth, which is that beauty actually occurs on the inside. Uh, Inner beauty is the thing that will sustain uh, people uh, long Term. And so this is uh, so important to, to understand. So that is when we get to the final verse of tonight, which is husbands and directed to husbands. It says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. And so we read here in verse 7, husbands in the same way. Again, the same way. It's all connected, right? This is not a power thing, all right? This is a missional uh, posture that Peter is wanting to encourage everyone in. It says, be considerate as you live with your wives. Treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, I love this word heirs, right? For two reasons. One, because of that connection back to Matthew chapter 5. And you know, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Just the connection between inheritance and heirs, just, just beautiful. I, I love that. Um, the second thing is that the husbands are called in the same way to submit to the temporary powers. But instead of um, behaviours in this case, their response and their missional objective was uh, consideration was consideration consideration that while the the wives were weaker they were fellow heirs this was their way of being missional so we've taken a bit of a journey on this but it's important to highlight some things so first of all this passage is so important that we seek an understanding of context we need to understand that this was written to real people in real times and real places. And it doesn't mean that it's not true. It just means that we need to understand what they were going through to try and understand why Peter was instructing them the way that he did. And he says, Wives, utilize your area of influence for missional purposes. Utilize your area of influence for missional purposes. And then he highlights that unfading beauty occurs on the inside. Hey, if beauty is relevant, right, which it was and perhaps it is, let's not get caught up on the external because the actual kind of missional transformative example that will move people to understand and believe in Christ is going to be through character, through a demonstration of gentleness and a quiet spirit. This is what it's going to look like to be distinctive. So may that all challenge us. 
We don't have to be a wife for this to be relevant. We don't have to be a husband for this to be relevant. What we need to do is consider our context and what it looks like to win people to the word, (laughs) utilising the opportunities that we have. Uh, Let me pray. Jesus, I just want to pray that you would shape our hearts. And Lord, particularly for a text that maybe has been misused um, in a number of ways. Um, Lord, it's been used to either consolidate power um, or oppress. I want to pray, God, that we would have a fresh perspective on this, that we would understand that, um, that you are the ultimate authority. We are all accountable to you. And while we maybe exist as foreigners in some way or form, God, um, we can still use this opportunity, God, to point people to you. And so guide us, we pray. Help us to have an understanding of what it looks like to be distinctive and to win people over, whether that takes the form that it took in the first century or whether it takes a brand new expression today. We pray these things in your name.